my name is Cheryl Murray Powell Esquire, and I'm here to welcome you back to Terps in the City. This is season two, and season two has a lot to offer, because guess what? I'm moving back to New York. So excited about this New York move. Uh, there are so many people in New York that I've had long-term relationships with, new people that I'm getting to know now, as New York just um, rolled out their adult use cannabis policy. There's draft policy that's out there that we'll be talking about. The MARTA Act just hit one year, its one year anniversary. So a lot to discuss, a lot to talk about. But I had to have as my first guest, Ronit Pinto of Honeysuckle Magazine. She is a longtime friend of mine, but she's so gifted and talented, always ready to travel for the cause. And her magazine is awesome. I'm not just saying that because I've been in there a couple a couple of times, but listen, when you go to Times Square and you see those cannabis billboards, you, you might want to think about Ronit because she is such a creative person and she has been the one to really bring those billboards to the forefront. She's highlighted individuals like my sister, Jashida Dawson and, and others. So she's always about promoting the other people. And I think it's about time we gave her her flowers and and celebrated her work in the industry. A lot of people don't realize that when it comes to activism, there's the activists who are really important. There are also the journalists that are really important. And if you look throughout history and evaluate change, it was the journalists who really had the, who were brave enough to run the stories so that people could know that whether iniquity was happening, whether something was emerging and changing, and they have to put hours and hours of research and their passion into giving us an accurate story that enlightens the community. So with that said, Ronit, I just want to welcome to, welcome you to season two of Terps in the City. Thank you so much for having me, Cheryl. Excited to be here. Awesome. Well, let's hear what's going on in your world, what's going on with you. Let's start with where I met you, which is being the editor, creator, founder of Honeysuckle Magazine. I know Honeysuckle is one of your great loves. So with that being said, tell us a little bit about the magazine and what do you intend to accomplish as you're releasing each, each issue? Yeah, I mean, Honeysuckle began in Detroit, actually, in 2013-14. I have a background in media and film and really wanted to merge the two into like a visual storytelling. Like for me, like you said, I'm really creative. So almost restless. If I'm not creating or doing stuff, I get very, not even bored, but like restless. Like I have to be in, in constant flow. So I loved working in media. I worked for a fashion and design publication in Detroit and was able to kind of transfer a lot of the like photo shoot and creative and like high-end visual stuff to cannabis. So like as my evolution as the publisher grew, I kind of brought a lot of that into Honeysuckle. And for me, applying that to the cannabis space is exciting because for whatever reason, like you said, people don't like equate cannabis and quality in a lot of like visual representation. I mean, it's changing now, but I think one of my primary goals is to elevate the conversation, not only editorially, like as you've participated in Cheryl and seen, like, as she said in the intro before, when we were speaking, like Honeysuckle has historically represented many different, many different communities. And our original tag was actually from the high end to the underground. So I think cannabis is a perfect environment to really incorporate that. 
And, and I think that as we go and moving forward, applying some of those more traditional mainstream visual elements that you would find in a really cool video or film or magazine layout to the, the print publication is exciting. And that's well, kind of the direction. Yeah. I really like that from the high end to the underground. I think it really does um, capture the essence of Honeysuckle magazine. Now, you've had quite a few iconic covers. Mm -hmm. um, can you tell me about some of the iconic covers you've had and how you go about um, that relationship building, which is really essential for capturing these creatives, these artists in their true light, or even if it's a, a, a non-persona cover, just really capturing the essence of the plant? Yeah, I mean, again, I think it's that intersection of culture and cannabis and normalizing it to such a degree that it's like, you know, our first cannabis publication in 2017 dedicated exclusively to cannabis, which we started in 2016, featured Alan Cumming on a cover, who is an LGBTQ actor. Mm -hmm. And I don't think a lot of people would equate him with cannabis, right? Like, he's not we were considering like Snoop Dogg or just some of the more like big figures and we landed on Alan and he was so cool like we got to shoot him so Sam my fiance is the creative director does a lot of the photography so he did an iconic a shoot with Alan wearing weed sunglasses and and Alan shared with us his favorite thing about smoking weed which was like his penis and sex and like that was like you know, he got really uh candid and I think that's the fun part of cannabis content as well right being able to talk about that stuff so that that was kind of like our segue into and I, I had featured celebrities before that so I had like Kirsten Dunst I used an Oregon right. teller yeah image to for our hers issue which was all about women so it was like I always like to have a celebrity because I feel like they exemplify kind of like a meta macro kind of conversation around whatever it is that we're talking about. And since then, the celebrity thing has become important. I mean, first of all, it's usually gorgeous because it's they're they're iconic. So there's inherently fashion, charisma, personality. When we get to shoot it, it's an advantage obviously because we can bring our display our own creative abilities to the shoot. And otherwise, it's just like, as an artist myself, I want to highlight people who are, are at the pinnacle of their artistic career. So like Little Wayne, you know what I mean? That, that's right. amazing. And Wiz Khalifa. And we have been able to develop the relationships. And like, as the industry grows, there's so much you can do. And a lot of that's unexpected. You know what I mean? Now, Little Wayne has a cannabis brand that's in all these different states. So we can kind of work with them in that regard or in the same for Wiz. And we were the print sponsors for the National Cannabis Festival. And we had our Wiz cover, our Wiz magazine there. And he was also the headliner of that festival and just how things are kind of intersecting. So I think having the celebrity presence for us is like definitely ideal. And when you're meeting these celebrities, how do you give them comfort to be involved? How do you highlight the, the uh, benefits of being in the magazine? That's, that's a good question because we're not Vanity Fair yet. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, thank you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> With your help, we'll get there. Absolutely. Yeah. No doubt. That's why you're the first guest, honestly. Thank you. I love that birthday twin. <laughs> I think that we are independent. I think kind of to what you were saying, the quality, the intention, the artistry. I think we have consistency. And I think that we've proven ourselves time and time again. Like for Little Wayne, for example, our first 420 edition was like gorgeous that we did with him last year or not this past one the one before 
his team confided in me after that, like they weren't, you know what I mean? They're like not really that into it. Like, you right. know, they don't know who we are, but not only did they like fall in love with the issue because it was absolutely stunning and gorgeous. I also got them on NASDAQ for an advance of uproar uh, music festival. So they, at that point were like, okay, this chick is, I can get down with this girl. Like they obviously seem to know what they're doing. And we built that relationship to where now we featured the young money artists in our last one. And Little Wayne was really, and I believe Mac Main, the president of, of Young Money, they shared it on Wayne's grid. He did multiple stories. He had our link in his bio. And like with Khalifa too, was like reposting our stories. So I forgot what the original question. Oh, how do they have faith? I think proving ourselves, we we also had Damian Marley on a cover, the freedom issue that highlighted prisoner yes. racism. Yeah. That was so, a great one. That was a great one. I'm a huge fan. So like, I, I do love, I love the covers, but I love the content as well. And yeah, the freedom issue is really, really important to our community. I really value how it's an inclusionary magazine too. So you mentioned your, the LGBTQ community, uh, huge interest in Rastafari, huge mm-hmm. interest in hip hop culture huge interest in making sure women are represented in, in varied ways and not the same cookie cutter woman, not even talking about ethnicity, but really talking about what are you into as a woman? What, you know, so I think all those things make honeysuckle very unique. And I'm really interested in seeing where you're going to go in, in the future. Just talking about stories. So we talked about the covers, which I think at first glance, that's a key strength for honeysuckle magazine. But what are your favorite stories that you've been able to tell through the magazine? Um, a lot. Like, off the, off the top of my head, honestly, the black issue. Well, the black farmer story that you did was amazing. Like that, yeah. Thank black farmers. Yeah, that's resurfaced time and time again. And even at like Benzing in Miami. They had like the one black farmer speaking and, and immediately I, I knew that history and like how important that conversation is and how little still it gets talked about. And just how, oh, since you wrote that over the years, like not even cannabis related, like the 40 acres and a mule, the fact that like when Trump was, you know, president, it really came to like light how, how, who owns the land, you know what I mean? And when where people were rioting and burning down stuff, it's like that you realize like a huge amount of our population does not feel connected to the United States because they don't own anything and where yeah. that comes from. So that article pointing to like a historical sort of wrong that hasn't been right, corrected yet. And also a lot of our stories on people who were formerly incarcerated is huge like yeah yeah cannabis and uncannabis like we you know shawana vaughn who is works with silent cry nonprofit, was born in prison she returned there and then we've met people who are incarcerated for 60 years 25 years like and hearing their stories and understanding how uh they feel so neglected and like they truly almost feel like they don't have a voice that no one's listening you know yeah it's yeah. so amazing to me that there are still parts of the community that when they hear incarcerated, they're just like, oh, these are just criminal. And they don't really think about that, the fact that they're three-dimensional people, that they have people who love them, that it may the process they went through may not have been fair, that their race or their upbringing played such a huge role in, one, the criminality, if that was a choice, and, and two how they went through the system and really didn't have that opportunity for 
appeal or to uh, raise grievances or even understanding that there's a whole part of the process that we don't see, which is post-conviction, as far as the treatment in our jail system. We kind of just forget about it. Once we hear the, the result of that, that is a conviction or not a conviction, we kind of stop paying attention. Like, okay, they got their, um, they, they got what they were, they deserved, or they had a jury of their peers. Not so much. A lot of times it's not a jury of your peers. A lot of times it's a biased judge. And then they're just put away in this hole and we forget about them until their time is done. And then with the re-entry activity, what are they coming home to? What, how are we going to ensure that they can choose a life besides criminality by allowing there to be resources. So thank you for telling those stories because we don't find that everywhere. So like for Honeysuckle, for me, it's way more than a cannabis magazine. I think it's, it's way more than just a lifestyle magazine because you don't, you're not narrowly focused on a lifestyle that's hip and famous people, but you really care about the, the layers of our society and the tapestry of our society and how, how we all are interconnected, whether we choose to be or not, and how we all have a responsibility, whether we want to acknowledge that or not. What are you looking forward to as far as like upcoming events, what's coming up for Honeysuckle, things that you can share? And I I also want to go back to that relationship building that you mentioned with Little Wayne, because I think it's very unique. So I want to talk about that a little bit more. Okay. Yeah. So for events, we, so we're, we're definitely at a point of pivot where I feel like we have several actualized, pretty developed streams of revenue. Like you said, the billboards, the print issue, the digital, the events, and then we have a very pretty robust creative side of film and video and photography. So Mm -hmm. we're trying to, I'm allowing, we just got back from Trailblazers, which is in Sedona with a wonderful group of people and it was like this exclusive kind of thing but it was also kind of a spiritual experience because just being there you can't be in Sedona and not have a spiritual experience that's like one of my favorite places on the planet and I've been one time and I felt like an awakening happening so I can just imagine being around like-minded people in that space of the outputs yeah exactly and then what was even more interesting actually was that we ended up in phoenix for the last night and i felt this almost like weird drony kind of presence while i was there like I, like a cool kind of vibe and i found i learned that there's like an aztec history like a strong one and like i really felt this, this something i don't know ancestors or yeah i don't know what it was. they're ever present they are ever present i think that's beautiful and until you've had that experience, you don't understand it. But it sounds like Trailblazers was really, really critical for kind of developing your path from a spiritual level, but also as far as what's next. So, yeah. What yeah, exactly. are you thinking for the future? So that's the thing I've been really processing. Like it was kind of like a download of information. So I've been taking a couple of days to process because I think either we're going to go big on all of the things and figure out we need to raise or have strategic a partner, you know, like a business partner, strategic partnerships. We definitely need to scale. So we need to very deliberately and we're consulting with some people, figure out what exactly that looks like. I think before making any huge moves, because everything that we're doing takes a lot of effort and, and with our size team, we have to figure out exactly what we're doing, but I'm very excited for everything, but it's kind of time to be strategic. Whereas until now we've been able to really explore, spread our wings and just do. Right. Um, so time to get really practical. 
We are having an event Wednesday after the first day of MJ Unpacked. Everyone's yeah. excited. Yeah, at this no-name bar, I can send you the... Please okay. send me. I'll be there, and then we can do a part two where we kind of talk about it and uh, maybe share some, some photos on socials and things like that. Yeah, nothing really matters bar. So it's a gritty bar under the one train right by MJ Unpacked. With, and we're going to be partnering with Philo. We've been working with them more and more on different events. They're great. So that's this Wednesday. And then yep. we have... I'll be there. Okay, great. Awesome. A couple events planned. And then in the fall, we want to do a big kind of like fashion issue that I'm like a September issue for cannabis and lifestyle that I'm starting production on. Excellent. So you're... you're planning future issues with themed issues. You are building relationships and, and coordinating with these mega stars, expanding their footprint, their brands through, through relationships. You're putting billboards in, in Times Square. Let's talk about how amazing it is to have New York as the backdrop for your work. Right. Yeah. I, and like, we couldn't really expect, anticipate it necessarily when we started like we didn't expect the mrta to pass last year i think you probably agree new york is fascinating right it's like beautiful i've never like, lived, i've never lived in the city and i've always hungered to live in the city i'm a, I'm a great neck girl i'm a long island great neck uniondale hempstead that's where i was raised but there's always been this intrigue i have an aunt who's very very close to me and jen ginger and she was a model. So she would always go into, her life was very dual. So she had her, her great neck life. And then she always had this fabulous, like international model life. So I got little bits and pieces of it. Like I grew up listening to a lot of British pop because of her influence and things like that. And then you take into account the Harlem Renaissance and what that means for black people, what it means for literature, what it means for art and culture. And I was like, People are like, where are you moving to? I'm like, I'm moving to Harlem. Never lived there. <laughs> are you moving to Harlem? I'm moving to Harlem. Oh, wow. Yes. That's amazing. So, yeah. And again, I'm going to be really honest on the show um, about my journey. And it's like, I have an Airbnb book for, for 70 days and that's it. That's where I am in my move right now. So I got to get rid of everything. And I'm just really going to fly by the seat of my pants, have a little bit of stability for my son because he's starting a new school up there. But really, I want to explore that ancestral side of what Harlem means to not only the African-American community, but also the immigrant community and also New York itself, the legacy operator part of the, the industry and understanding like the, the gangsters from the Harlem side back in the day and, and things like that and really bring that forward into our, our, our modern work. So. I'm super excited about partnering with you and all of that. I know we've talked, we've spoken about a couple of stories that I'd like to write for Honeysuckle because as a writer, as a journalist, so I, a lot of people don't think of me as a journalist in the industry because I'm a lawyer and I do a lot of lawyering and I, I'm also a lobbyist advocate. I do a lot of that, but I really take my creative work seriously and I, I I'm very particular about which spaces I will trust with my work. Because usually, uh, for example, someone like a Benzinger or another, they'll ask for a quote and I'll be, I'll give them like three quarters of a page. And they're like, all right, we're going to try to use that. They've been so fantastic about my quotes. But like with, when I, when you ask me to do work or if I come to you with a story, I definitely 
appreciate the level of care that you take with my words, especially in, in the revision process, because I say what I mean, I mean what I say. That's Cheryl. However, the editorial process should be left to the experts. And Ronit, with you, when I invest in my work, because my work is so personal to me, and I, I go through layers and I bring in the historical context, you treat that with such a level of respect um, that it makes it easy for me. I can, I like when you do edits, I don't even have to really review them. I'm, I'm, I know that my voice and that you were, you won't betray my voice for, for numbers, for, for money or anything. You really want to tell those true stories. And that's what I really value and appreciate about you and, and your work. So thank you for doing that. But thank you. Just talking about New York as a backdrop, I went on a little, I took a little journey into the side, but New York is such a special place. Yeah. And you've had the opportunity to live, to live and work there for many years as an artist, as a creative. So let's talk about that. Yeah. I mean, I think that traveling around like you do and then coming back here every time I come back, it's just it's the artistic sort of like levels are so dense here that it's a never ending stimulus. Like, I love it. You know what I mean? It's just like, oh, where else is art treated like a VIP activity like it is? Usually, sorry, there's a siren. Um, usually artists are disrespected or undervalued or devalued. Not here. I mean, maybe in Europe, right? They're more, it's like more of a, like a valued thing. But in America, it's just sort of like, oh, if you're not a, a business person or whatever, an accountant, right. a professional, like you don't matter. And I feel like, yeah, as an artist, I mean, there's there's photo studios, there's architecture, every restaurant, every other restaurant is customized and lighting yeah. is beautiful. And so for it's very inspiring, very dense. And I also feel like the sky's like, there's no limit. You could keep going and do it. I, I really like what you said about like every restaurant is customized. Every place has their own personality. And that made me think of even with the, the draft regulations for retail that have been revealed by the Office of Cannabis Management or the, the CCB, there's been some indication that the fund will be used to purchase these location retail locations throughout the throughout the state. And they will have like certain lending requirements, but they'll be very much modeled very similar or just have the same requirements. How do you think that will fit into like the New York state of mind, the New York way of life, having the dispensing organizations? Is that limiting creativity or even within a cookie cutter space? There's With New Yorkers, there's always going to be that opportunity to, to bring in that creative side. I mean, I, we'll see a lot of New York is becoming more kind of chainy and gentrified when like the dispensaries, I mean, a lot of them are just, they are what they are. Even the yeah. legal dispensaries that we all know are open right now. Right, right, right. <laughs> so, so in terms of, like, hopefully they'll be able to, you know, it's funny, like, I don't know if people are going to uh, retail cannabis places for creativity. I think they kind of go there for product. But so... Is that what you're talking about, like a dispensary? Yes, absolutely. Retail spots and what, what you're expecting as a New Yorker, which is very different than, than I think, approaching other markets. I, I bet, I, I guess I always envisioned it the same as like Florida or Arizona or everywhere mm -hmm. else. Like, do you think it actually might be different? I think it'll be different. I think it'll have a different spirit, different essence. And I think 
especially with the first hundred licenses for retail going to the justice involved or organizations, nonprofits that su- support the justice involved individual. I think those individuals really want to tell their story. So it'll be interesting to see, like, as again, there's going to be thousands and thousands of licenses. So there is a conversation now about why them, aren't they criminals, that kind of thing. This is just a hundred out of thousands that will be in existence. But with that said, I think we will be able to tell the difference. I think they will have more of a story to tell. And, and it depends on what, who they're partnered with, where the money's coming from for these individual enterprises, how, how free they are, how liberated they are as far as telling their story of uh, wrongful incarceration and, and also what is a premium product to someone who's been involved in the industry possibly for decades or was brought in as a young person. Understand one thing that the uh, legacy industry understands is supply and demand. So I really cannot wait and will be paying close attention to that distinction between these retail locations that come from the fund, the people who are in ownership as justice involved and how they tell their stories, and then that other layer of it's New York. So are we going to have like murals of subway trains or it's just, I, I can't wait. I'm like super amped about it. Wow. What a great time to be here. Amazing. It really is. It really is. Uh, something special is happening in New York and uh, New York is again, New Yorkers can be cannabis snobs because they're used to high quality. There's another debate happening. Does high quality mean indoor or does high quality extend to sun grown? So you know, that's going to have to play out and it'll come down to what it always comes down to, which is supply and demand, what the what the customers want. Yeah. So, so with with that conversation about is there opportunity for sun grown versus uh, indoor, I, I'd like to get your perspective on that. I know there's a trend, although some people say it's more of a niche trend where like organic, sun grown, low THC, high terp kind of thing, which is mm-hmm. a more like a new new user, new consumer. I guess I prefer sun grown. I know Sam, my fiance does, but like, I guess aside from up, there's not that much opportunity in New York, right? To do sun grown. I mean, you can do it upstate or upstate and even Hudson Valley. There's a lot of, there's a lot of farm activity out there. Yeah. Yeah. The hemp farmers too, right? They also got the first licenses. Absolutely. The hemp farmers were brought on with the first cultivation licenses. I think we're up to about a hundred now or over a hundred licenses that have been issued to hemp farmers and they are traditionally from that sun growth or greenhouse environment so it'll be interesting there the naysayers say this is going to be trash product but then we have to look back at and you and i we both have an affinity with jamaica i'm jamaican and and you've traveled there quite a bit jamaican ganja is what sun grown yeah Yeah. and we're known and we're known for it so that's the interesting perspective is people like what they like. And if you listen to the narratives, you'll think that something's right or something's wrong. But I think what New Yorkers want and deserve is variety. They're going to want the hydroponically grown. They're going to want the aeroponically grown. They're going to want the, the, the indoor grown with the sensors and optimizing certain cannabinoids, optim- optimizing flavonoids and and, and terpenoids and they're they're going to want the sun grown just like ocean grown og is is very popular in its own right so very 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 interesting as far as what we're going to do next yeah 
So like, let's say, let's do like a five, 10, 15 year strategy without giving out trade secrets and your, your true strategic strategic plan. But like five years from now for honeysuckle and you, and I want to say for you, because it may be honeysuckle, 10 years may not be honeysuckle or maybe a spinoff or whatever. So, or multiple brands, or I'm no longer a media powerhouse. I am a communications powerhouse, which includes media, but includes a lot of other things. So maybe television and maybe podcasts like this. But what are you you thinking five years from now looks like? (laughs) Wow. So I think, okay, (laughs) thanks for asking this, because I probably need to be thinking about this deliberately. (laughs) It's not, it's not school though. It's not an assignment. So Feel free, yep. feel free to use your, your judgment or say I'm not there yet. And I'm not ready. You're like my Yoda right now. I love it. Um, <laughs> anytime you want. I love this stuff. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, five years, I, I think in a perfect situation, I would be a, a, first and foremost, a communicator. And, and I also think that there's a, the desire motivation for a lot of what I do is to educate, even yep. though I'm not a traditional teacher, I think, um, education and and then also like in terms of the media i'd like to see that adopt or go in more of a film route eventually like feature films but kind of bringing it back to the communication education aspect i would be talking about the future health wellness the evolution of plant medicine i think and how that affects consciousness yeah and And is that five years or is that 10 years consciousness Probably five to 10. I mean, a lot of that mm-hmm. is also informed by our society, right? How much can you share, tell, you know what I mean? Like what are people interested in or even ready for? So I think it will be interesting to track the evolution of human consciousness in regards to plant medicine, because I think they're inextricably linked, right? And hopefully just with like the climate crisis and I'm an animal rights person. So like the evolution of our understanding of earth as a sentient being, like how will that affect our, our ways of consuming media, our abilities to tell stories. And I don't, I would love, always love to be on the forefront of, of just sharing new information in different ways. I love that. I love yeah. that. And then for, for people listening, how's the, what's the best, what's the type of support that you would like to have? Like, even for me, how can I support you in achieving that? Thank you. I mean, certainly sharing like how the fact that you trust us to share your stories. I mean, you're such an expert. So people like yourself, yeah, who have a holistic understanding, definitely add so much to it's like our family basically is what it feels like. Um, And I think strategic partnerships, probably overall, like I think at Honeysuckle, myself, Sam and our editors and writers, Jamie and everyone, very a lot of ability, creative talent. So it's not like the raw materials aren't there. We we know how to produce and create valuable um, content. So I think the partners that know how to scale want to see it in certain environments, whether that's dispensaries or airports or basically helping scale the magazine that with people who also want to see like this shared vision kind of uh, grown out into the world more. Love it. And my final question is, if you could meet one person that you think once your energy and their energy collides, or once you're in their space, or once they under, they know about Honeysuckle, once they know about Rooney, that it'll be a catalyst for change. It's going to be a clear, it would be in, in your perfect world, it would be a game changer for everything that you want to do. Who would that person be that if I could call them up right now, 
and introduce you to them, who would that person be that you'd love to meet to take your game to the next level? Wow. Well, it's funny because it's like I want to say Elon Musk until he like wants Trump back on Twitter. Right. (laughs) There's so many great things about the guy. And then he's like, I'm going to buy you. That's it. Then I can do whatever I want. Yeah. By you, like, I'm sorry, like, I don't believe in censorship either. But when Trump got kicked off Twitter, I was so happy. No offense to any, same, same, yeah. Person um, critical and, and, and important as a lawyer, I know, but there's some people that are, are, are destructive and some conversations that can be destructive. So, not the I'm, I try to stay away from the person and make it more about issue specific, which I think you're doing the same thing. Where, yeah. you know, again, we see the value in Elon Musk, and some people may be Trump supporters, but some of that messaging is extremely destructive to our constitutional rights. So I get it. But if, yeah. if, is it Elon? Are you going to kind of hang your hat on that one? Or is, is there someone else that you think could, if we can get you an introduction or someone listening can get to an introduction that would change the game? I mean, I'd have to think, I think someone forward thinking with resources and the desire to really like expand on what we're up to, which is an I- idealist kind of like inclusive beautiful platform that wants to see media. So I think that person would have to be very forward thinking. Maybe I don't know who that is. Like I would love to continue working with little Wayne and their team for sure. What do you think? Who do you think would be a good match? I love the Marley family too, by the way, if I could do more with Damien, which I met, I saw him for the first time at Kaya Fest where we were and felt like in love with the whole thing. So what, who do you think would be a good fit for Honeysuckle? I, there's one magazine that I've always liked, and I, I think Honeysuckle is, and I don't know who the publishers are or anything like that. I need to do my research, but the magazine George, which I think the younger John Kennedy was involved in before his untimely death, like, I love how that has come, how that came together. I loved how iconic their covers were. And I think I see so many similarities, especially for the timing of when it came out. So I would say I'd love to see a connection between Honeysuckle and that publishing team for George Magazine and then really do like a creative issue uh, or a collaborative issue. And I think that would be a key game changer. But again, I asked the question, but I hadn't thought about the answer if you asked me. But for me, that like that's what comes to mind when I think about publishing and, and being really unique and not cliche or narrowly focused, like, I love what George does to the political dialogue. And I love what Honeysuckle does to the cannabis dialogue and and the fact that I don't open a Honeysuckle magazine and get Cannabis 101. How do you choose a good bait cartridge? How do I don't get that with Honeysuckle. And I think that just respects the intellect of the viewership, the readership, I could say. And that's why I'm really passionate about magazine I'm passionate about your work and I'm really I was naturally curious as to where you were in your headspace about next steps because again I've been watching you all these years you've included me without fail in your work but all of us like to be challenged especially us creatives and again as a lawyer people don't think of me as a creative but I was a house poet like I've always been a creative you know what I mean so I, I admire that so much And long story short, I think a George Honeysuckle collaboration, I think that would be something that the world hasn't seen. And I would love, I would love, like I would, that issue is going to be like vintage, like collectors, something that's in a museum, 
And that's yeah. how I feel about it. But I'll give you some time to think about your answer because this isn't the last time you're going to be on Terps in the City. Thank you for being willing to be my first guest for season two of Terps in the City. We're going to explore New York as a backdrop. We're going to explore the legislation, the regulations. We're going to explore all levels of the cannabis industry from our legacy operators, our justice-involved people, our very wealthy entrepreneurs from other business types, our, our, our regulators. And we're really going to understand what makes New York tick without typecasting such a beautiful city as, as, as a New York City or even a state I need to expand beyond thinking New York City just because I'm moving there. But, you know, the state of New York and the um, terrain variants and the cannabis output variance and the creativity that happens in a in a state like New York. So Ronit, thank you so much for being so very generous with your time and thank you for your commitment to excellence and your commitment to the cannabis industry and always being a supporter of me and my initiatives. And I always perk up when I go to an event and I see you there and you're you know walking around and you're you have a magazine, you're taking pictures of people with the magazine and and it's it's just a beautiful thing to see a woman led media company, a media ecosystem is is so much more than than the wonderful magazine that you create. So keep growing, keep flowing, and I look forward to seeing you next time. And to our our our, our listeners, really appreciate the support all these years. Thank you so much to Podcan X and their support. Dan Hummison, I gotta give you a shout out and we're going to bring some really elevated content to our uh, our community over the next few months. So buckle up. I have another new talk show that I'm launching called Fire Femme Fanatics. And that one is going to be audio as well as video. And it's about interviewing women. So it's all about women focused on women. And you'll see that coming out soon. So thank you, everyone. Keep it flowing. Keep it going. Take care. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Cannabis Health Radio is a podcast about stories from people around the world who have used cannabis to deal with serious ailments, many of them life-threatening. My name is Ian Jessup. My co-host, Corey Yelland, is no stranger to the devastating emotional impact faced by so many people receiving a death sentence diagnosis from a doctor. Told she only had months to live with anal canal cancer, Corey researched and immediately began using cannabis oil to eliminate her cancer and has been cancer-free for more than a decade. She told herself that if it worked, she would spend the rest of her life helping others, which she does tirelessly every day. When you listen to our podcast, you'll hear many stories like Corey's, along with others who have used cannabis oil for many more ailments besides cancer, such as chronic pain, PTSD, MS, and many, many more. As one of our guests said, your podcast gave me the confidence to save my own life. We regularly get messages from listeners who have heard our podcast and use cannabis to solve a serious health issue of their own or that of a loved one. We hope you listen to these stories and be as inspired and moved as we are with each and every episode.